Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. We're happy to see you here. I feel like I... Oh, everybody's out of my sight. <laughs> Front, the middle is empty. But welcome here. We're glad to see you, and um, we're happy to have you join in our worship of God. And we're going to stand together and sing All Glory Be to Christ.
to Christ. Our songs that we chose are ones um, that we thought are talk about things that um, people as fathers uh, and soon to be fathers like Curtis um, need to remember in order to be good fathers rather than most of the songs when we are looking through them that use the word father uh, but it's about God our father not about our earthly fathers so um, rather than that we chose to do um, ones at like this so the next one that we're going to sing is when we walk with the Lord which is trust and obey and we're going to sing verse one and two Soldiers of Christ Arise, which is actually to the tune that's very well known, Crown Him with Many Crowns. But there's one word that we, none of us, and I read a lot of medieval, like kind of battle stuff, and I'd never heard this word, but it's panoply. No. That's no, panoply. Panoply, which means suit of armor. And then we went in and we discovered like what the, the actual meaning of it is, but it's very cool. It's putting on the whole armor. So this song is obviously about putting on the armor of God, and panoply means the whole armor of God, and I'm going to sing it wrong, but anyways, it's supposed to be, it's not, does not rhyme with monopoly. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you for your singing. to church this morning. If you would like to read the scripture with me that is in your bulletin this morning, it is from Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2. And if you would like to read with me, oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you'd like to bow with me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that we can gather together and worship your name. We just pray that you would encourage us and teach us and correct us through the teaching of your word this morning. We thank you for Glenn and that he's able to teach it to us. We thank you that we can come and sing your praises and that we can do this freely with a body of believers. And we just praise you for that this morning. Amen. The scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians 5, 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the husband, or sorry, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's bow in prayer as we prepare to look at to God's word this morning. It's, uh, Lord, our privilege to come into church this morning and to sing your praises together and also, Lord, to listen to your word together. And, Lord, I just ask that uh, as we look into the principles that come out of your word regarding fathers and fatherhood, that you would, uh, first of all, guide my thoughts so that what is spoken would be according to the principles of your word. And then, Lord, open all of our hearts to hear and understand what it is that you are saying to us through it this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So apparently a lot of our mothers and children in our church have taken their fathers someplace very exciting this morning for Father's Day. Because <laughs> they're not here. I was hoping people would just forget that we be starting at 10.30 now in summer. <laughs> and they would show up eventually, but I don't see them. So. But for those of us who are here. If you remember back to Mother's Day. Oh, maybe I'll turn my mic on, Cam. That might help. If you remember back to Mother's Day, uh, you remember I preached a sermon to encourage the mothers who were here. 
to bring out the encouragement from God's word that is there from others. Today being Father's Day, I would like to do the same thing for all the fathers here. It is a different sermon, but it has the same intent. I think we're living in a time when, they're, when, the, when the fathers of our society who are doing their best to be the man and the father they need to be, I think they need some encouragement. They're, they're, there's getting to be a fair bit of negative attitudes going around about fathers and men in general, due likely in part to the brutish actions of a small minority of men, and also likely to some on the extreme of the politically correct movement of our society. So it can get a little bit discouraging for us as men. Let's start with some humor. I've likely used these jokes before. In fact, I know I have. But see if you can pick out a theme. One father wrote, Our granddaughter's second grade class asked, was asked to write about their personal heroes. And my granddaughter chose to, to write about her father as her personal hero. And her father was, of course, very flattered and, and asked her, well, why did you pick me? And she replied, because I couldn't spell Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> One lady wrote, my husband admired our six-year-old granddaughter, or sorry, six-year-old daughter. My husband admired our six-year-old daughter while she was dancing around the kitchen. And finally, he stopped her with a hug and looked into her eyes and said, you know, you're cute, just like your father. And the little Amy was silent for a moment, and then she said, you mean my heavenly father? Or, or you? <laughs> so those are just a couple of jokes, and they're funny, but the theme seems to be that, at best, men and fathers just don't measure up. Uh, I remember back to when those half-hour sitcoms were a thing on TV. You'd sit and watch these, there are a lot of them over the years, and they were funny. I enjoyed watching them, some more than others, but they were, they were good, I enjoyed it. But what always bothered me about many of them is how they depicted the husbands and the fathers in those sitcoms. The majority of them depicted the husbands and fathers as bumbling idiots that the wife and the mother constantly had to come to the rescue of and get them back on track. We don't really have sitcoms anymore on TV, and what the majority of people are watching these days, I have no idea. It's all on internet, which I don't really watch that much. But. So I'm not sure how men and fathers are being depicted now, but that was the case um, back in the day. I personally feel that there is a subtle message constantly seeping through our media that men are to be feared, men are not to be trusted. They are by nature and instinct abusers. They're violent, they're sexual perverts. And so I feel we need some encouragement for fathers today. And looking at it, I, I think the family unit as a whole is being looked down on and under criticism as a whole. As I said on Mother's Day, many mothers face a discouraging, subtle message from society that being a mother is second rate. It's the position of being less than someone who's a career woman. And a woman who chooses to be a full-time mother is settling for second best and is kind of looked down on. 
And fathers, too, face some subtle, discouraging messages from our society, as I've already outlined. That at best, we don't quite measure up. We're pretty much incompetent when it comes to family life. And at worst, we are abusers tending toward violence and are perverts. That it is, bottom line, I think, an attack on family unit as is set forth and taught by the scriptures. So like on Mother's Day, we looked at some encouraging word for mothers taught in the scriptures. And today we want to look at some encouraging words for, from the Bible for fathers. This is, of course, a worship service where the focus needs to be on our God and our worship of Him and in His word to us. And I hope that is always the bottom line for any of our worship services. Today being Father's Day, we want to focus on God's word and the teaching of God's word in regards to fathers and fatherhood. Now, I don't have one particular passage that we'll be looking at this morning. The passage Chris read is, is a general instruction to parents, and fathers are definitely included in that. Uh, but we won't be looking at that passage. But we're going to be looking at some principles that come out of the teaching of the Bible on men and on fatherhood and where God fits into all of that. So we'll be doing some flipping around in our Bibles this morning. And as I said, we will see, as we do this, we'll see some encouragement coming straight from the heart of God to all of his children, and specifically this morning to those of his children who are fathers. So let's dig in. As Christian fathers, we need to receive the encouragement that God has for us. And we can by reminding ourselves of a couple of principles of encouragement to fathers that come out in the pages of scriptures. First principle I want to look at is, this is to men and fathers. God made you the way you are, and that's what he wants you to be. God made you the way you are, and that's what he wants you to be. So I'd like you to turn your Bibles, first of all, to a very familiar passage that all of you know very well. It's right in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Verses 26 and 27. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. We looked at this passage on Mother's Day as well. Uh, in fact, we've looked at this passage a lot over the years. Because it's foundational. Much of biblical teaching rests on the underlying foundation of the truths that those verses present. And so we're going to use this passage as a foundation point as we go through this. So let's read it. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mankind, humans, are made in God's image. It was a deliberate choice on God's part to make humans in his image. So as humans, we are created to reflect the image of God. Notice that verse 27 tells us that God created humans in two forms. There's a male and there's a female. Both are created in God's image. Both the male and the female reflect God's image. But they're different. The male and female are different. In many profound ways, they're different. 
So the conclusion you come to, and I went through this a bit more detail on Mother's Day, but the conclusion you come to is when you study this is that there is an aspect of the image of God that the male brings out, and there's a different aspect of the image of God that the female brings out and reflects. So because we're discussing fathers this morning, we want to focus on the part of the image of God that men are meant to bear. What is that aspect of God's image that men are designed to reflect? Keep that thought in your head. Well, we kind of skirt around and come at this from a different angle. What are some of the basic differences between men and women? Apart from the obvious physical differences. What are some of the differences? Likely any parent who has some experience in parenting both boys and girls will be able to tell you the difference. We just raised girls, so we just know that part. Sometimes talk to Corey and Laura Lee about the difference between <laughs> boys and girls. <laughs> or keep them caring. <laughs> you can talk to them too. And I'm, I'm speaking generally, of course, there's always exceptions. But generally speaking, boys are more aggressive. Boys are risk takers. Boys like to go out and explore. Boys like to view life as something to go and conquer. They like action. They like to try things. Boys are protectors. Boys are fighters. That's what you see, generally speaking. And what is the message that society has been sending us men for the past 50 years or so? What's that message we've been getting from society? Being aggressive is bad. Being a risk taker is bad. Being a conqueror is bad. Being a fighter is bad. We teach our boys not to fight. We teach them to be nice little boys, to never show aggression. To avoid risk. Don't do anything that isn't safe. You might get hurt. And for adult men, the message from society in, in some ways similar. We are, at our core, violent brutes and sexual perverts, and we have to keep that under wraps. And the minute we show any aggression or any fight or anything like that, we are losing control of the violent beast within, proving that we're violent abusers. I remember some years ago, uh, at one of our family reunions, Kerbrand family reunions, which we have every year, this was a number of years ago, probably 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago, I'm not sure, but still back in the farm home farm and uh, and as we did in those days back then between the uncles and the nephews at this family reunion we had a great battle a big rubber ring no rubber ring fight or a, or a soft air or a air soft <laughs> I guess it was a rubber band war <laughs> yeah so we go around and get these rubber rings from the court sealers and we had We'd have a big war shooting at each other with these rubber bands. And uh, that's something kind of we grew up with. That's what Dad did with us as boys when we were growing up. We'd have these rubber rings quite, quite often. And it just got to be a thing at our family reunion. We'd have this all-out battle and pick sides and, and pick a territory. And we'd, uh, we'd have a big old war with rubber rings. That was, a, that was a great time. A lot of fun. And then after it's over, uh, there were a lot of wounds. A lot of war wounds. 
And we would go around comparing our wounds, which are like big welts all over our body from the rubber weight. <laughs> and we'd go show off our wounds and show off our battle scars. And, and uh, one of my nephews was just newly married at this particular family reunion. And uh, his wife did not take kindly to this. <laughs> um, after it was over and whatever, and we were called sleeping in tents, and this nephew and his new wife were in their tent. Well, tents aren't very private. You think you're alone when you're in your tent, but everybody around can hear you. <laughs> and so there was quite a discussion going on in that tent, <laughs> which, uh, which was heard. And uh, she was very upset about what she had just witnessed in this battle. And how disgusting that was that grown men would go around and do that kind of thing and then parade around welts on your, and that was just, that was just highly offensive. You see, we had let the violent brute out. And that was offensive. Now, let's get back to God's word. What is the aspect of the image of God that God wants us as men to reflect? Could it be that these traits that come out in young boys give us a clue? Many people at first thought, well, it can't be. God is love. God's not a fighter. He's not a conqueror. He's not an aggressor. He isn't a risk taker. God loves. Well, I beg to differ somewhat <laughs> with that. Flip over to Exodus 15, verse 3, please. Exodus 15, verse 3. This uh, context of this is right after God brought the Israelites through the Red Sea, across the Red Sea, and then the Egyptians tried to chase them, and God caused the water to come back and drown the whole Egyptian army. And, and chapter 15 of Exodus is a song that was composed to praise God for his great deliverance. Exodus 15, verse 3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. That's what they realized about God as they watched what happened. And God delivered them from the Egyptians. They, they learned something about God there. That God is a warrior. Zephaniah. Chapter 3, verse 17. I don't have many kids here today, so I might have a chocolate bar. the first one who can find Zephaniah in their Bibles. You might even beat me. Some of you aren't even trying. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Who got it in their Bibles? <laughs> 3, verse 17. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Talking about the, the end times. And there's a remnant of Israel that will be saved. And God will bring back. And this is in that context. The Lord your God is in your midst a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. So again, God is a warrior. But it also says in the same verse that God is a God of love. 
So apparently being a warrior and being loving are not contradictory. Like many in our society make them out to be. God fights for his people like a mighty warrior because he loves them. Hebrews 11 verse 34. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 34. <clears throat> Great faith chapter of the Bible where men of old are renowned because of the faith they place in their God and how they lived according to that faith. Hebrews 11, verse 34. Well, let's go back to verse 32, actually. 32 to 34. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, performed acts of... Yeah, acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, but foreign armies to flight. By faith, men were made mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight, the end of verse 34 says. God is praising them for that. That's a great thing. That's something to be, to be praised because of their faith and their great faith. They were able to do that. One more. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. This is foretelling. Prophesying about the end when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. At the end. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flaming fire, and so on. It goes on from verse 15. His mouth comes, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so with it he may strike down the nations. You can read on there. At the end, when Jesus returns... He will come as a warrior. He will come to wage war against the wickedness of the earth. So we'll stop there. My, my point is, men and fathers, is that you are created in the image of God. And there is within each of us as men that is created right into the core of our being a warrior. There is an explorer. There is a conqueror. There is a protector. There is a risk taker. It comes out in different ways and different men, depending on their personality, but it's there. It's part of the image of God in us. God made us that way. Don't try to be anything different. In fact, we need to develop that and use that in the way God had intended you to use it. And despite the messages... From our society and the feminist movement to the contrary, these inherent traits are good and godly. They need to be channeled correctly, but they are God-given. Don't ever let outside forces and messages make you feel guilty about any of these traits that you have within you. God made you that way, and that's the way he wants you to be. Now, because of the sin nature in all of us... <laughs> Some men have used these God-given traits in a very wrong way. 
They have twisted them and it comes out then in outbursts of anger, in harmful aggression, in violence, and abusive behavior. And the harm that this does is unmeasurable. But don't make the mistake of concluding from this that those God-given traits are wrong. And need to be weeded out. Those traits are good and they're God-given. But they need to be expressed rightly in the way God teaches in his word to express them. We live in a society that desperately needs men and fathers who will use these traits to stand up for and promote and aggressively go after what is good and right. Husbands and fathers who will go to the mat for their wives and children and their families who will take the initiative and aggressively go after what is good and godly in our society. We need men with these very character traits that some segments of society are trying hard to weed out of us as men. So how do we apply that in our lives? First and most important, we need to have a godly discernment. A godly discernment to discern what is good and right and godly from what is not. To discern a right course of action from a wrong course of action. To discern what's worth taking a stand about and what isn't. It's all good and well to take a stand and fight for, for that stand, but if that stand is something that's not right, <laughs> then we're heading down the wrong path and taking others with us. So we need that discernment. And then as fathers, we need to be the one to take the lead in making our families what they need to be. To lead them in a way that is toward God and in a way that promotes godliness. To lead in making sure the home atmosphere is one that promotes healthy growth in our children. That it's a place of security and a place of unconditional love. It's a place of discipline. We as men and fathers need to take the lead in that. The responsibility to make sure that, that, that that's what happens and that's there. And then when we have to make a stand for what is right, that we, that we fight for that. We lead by example. We use, and, and use biblical methodology in our fight. We don't fight like the unsaved world around us does. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 24 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. It goes on to say that the fight that we have is about false thinking. It's about false worldviews. It's about false ideologies and so on. And we don't fight these battles by weapons of the world, using the weapons of the world. We don't use bombs and grenades and missiles and, and armies for this kind of fight. Or by suing everybody and protests and blockades and I wrote that down and then I put a question mark behind it. <laughs> I'm going to have to scratch and think about that for a bit. <laughs> but our weapons are not the weapons of the world around us. We fight for standing up for what is right according to the teachings of God's word by speaking God's truth into situations with much prayer and with love and with grace. Men and fathers, God gave us the traits he did to reflect his aspect of his image to the world. And he intends us to use these traits. For these purposes and for this man. And in this man. So just a note to mothers and wives and daughters here. One of the best ways you can encourage 
your father, your husband, your son, is to encourage this aspect of the image of God in them and encourage them to develop those traits in godly ways. The worst thing you can do is try to weed those character traits out of your husband or your son or your father. The first principle of encouragement from God's word to you fathers is that God made you the way you are for a reason and that's what God wants you to be. Don't let society make you feel guilty about the way you are. You have nothing to feel guilty about in having those character traits. God gave them to you for a reason. So go with it and use them to do what God wants you to do. And secondly, and finally, God is with you in being the father you need to be. God's with you in being the father you need to be. The task of being a father is, in fact, a daunting task. God has given us the responsibility of being the head of the home and the head of the family, and that's a great responsibility because it covers much more than just our relationship with our kids. It means that the entire home atmosphere is what God wants it to be. So that covers our, the relationship with our wife, our wives. It covers our marriage. We're responsible to make sure our marriages are godly. We're responsible to make sure our home is the kind of home God wants it to be. We're responsible to make sure that our children are raised with God and taught about God and the things of God so that as they grow up they can make an intelligent choice on their own about their own personal spiritual lives. And of course, the biggest way we teach our children is by example. We need, and we need to be a model of all of this. As fathers, we need to be, be all that we're trying to teach our kids to be. We teach by example. So that, that's an incredible responsibility. It's, it's overwhelming, in fact. It's overwhelming. I, I can't do all of that. I don't know of any man who can on their own. But that's what God wants from us as fathers. And the encouragement he gives us is that he will help us do that. I can't do it. But with his help, I can. As we depend on him for strength and wisdom, he will come and give us all we need to be the father we need to be. Make you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. Start reading at verse, well, verse six, six to nine. And as we read this, fathers, um, think about it in this term. Think about it in terms of God talking to you about your job of being a father. So read it like that. This is God talking to you about being a father. This passage applies to all areas of Christian living, obviously, but. Talking about fathers today. So fathers, let's read it as if God is talking to us as fathers and applying it that way. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice them. And the God of peace will be with you. Down to verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We just took those last two verses way out of context. <laughs> talking about uh, God is, is, will, will be with you as you support and financially uh, support the work of God. And as you give to the work of God, God will supply all your needs. And as you um, do that, God will um, help you do all that. But I think the application is still there for all parts of life. As you do what God wants you to do, he will give you strength. As you do what God wants you to do, he will supply the needs you have and give you the means by which to do it. God is always there to give all that we need to do what he wants us to do. Turn back to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29. Let's read them. Jesus talking here. He says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, fathers, think of that in terms of Jesus talking to you personally about your responsibility as a father. Saying to us as fathers, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is there wanting to share this burden of fatherhood with us. And as we do this fathering thing together with Jesus, it becomes a light load. It kind of comes under the load with us. Helps us lift it, carry it, and do it. So the second principle of encouragement to us as fathers is, straight from the heart of God, is this. God is with you. God is with us in this thing of being a father, the father you and I need to be. He will give you the needed wisdom. He will give you the needed discernment. He will give you the strength. He will get under the load with us and help us carry it. And together, Jesus and me, Jesus and you, we can lead our families to be the kind of family he wants us to be. We can carry our responsibilities in his way for the betterment of our homes and our marriages and our children and thus our society. God is with us, man, as we do the work he wants us to do. As we humbly go to him for help and become men of prayer and spend time in his word listening, he will guide, he will give strength, and he will give us or he gives us this encouragement that he is there with us. So therefore we see from these principles this morning the encouragement God has for each father here. 
He made you the way that you are, and that's what he wants you to be. That's number one. And number two, he's with you in being the father you need to be. So, fathers, take encouragement from your God this morning. And go from here. Take the initiative. Take the fight out to our communities and our societies and our families. Go to the mat for what is good and right and godly. And with God's help, be the father he made you to be, the man he made you to be. Because God is with us and with us all the way. Let's take our time of silence and just allow God to speak to us personally. Given your own personal situation and circumstances and where you are in your own life, what is God saying to you this morning about this? Take a few moments. Let's stand again and sing together. <clears throat>
Thank you.